This is Issues 2023. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Juliet Bradley, Kansas State Director of Communications for the Alzheimer's Association. Welcome to Issues 2023. Nice to be with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, you cover a lot of territory. We were talking before we went on the air. What exactly is your title, and how much territory are you representing in your work? I am the Director of Communications for the Alzheimer's Association, two different chapters, the Heart of America chapter, which covers 65 counties in Kansas and Missouri, and then the Central and Western Kansas chapter, which covers the remaining 69 counties in Kansas. You stay pretty busy, don't you, Juliet? I do. I do. (laughs) Okay, we're going to start with some basics and uh, try to get caught up on what's going on with this this terrible affliction. What is the definition of Alzheimer's disease, Juliet? Well, I think it's important before we talk about that to understand what dementia is. And dementia, we like to kind of visualize the umbrella above the different kinds of dementia. So it is a general term. And then Alzheimer's falls under that umbrella as one kind of dementia. And it is, unfortunately, the most popular kind. So there are many kinds of dementia, uh, Parkinson's, Lewy body disease, vascular dementia, many, many kinds with Alzheimer's being the most popular. And it is a degenerative brain disease, and it affects your memory and your thinking and your reasoning skills. Well, uh, that's a good definition because I did not understand it. You've just given me the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia. Exactly. That was my next question. There right. Isn't. So how big is this problem uh, across the U.S. And, and here in Kansas? Unfortunately, it's a huge problem. So across the country, there are 6.5 million Americans living with Alzheimer's disease. Basically, that's one in nine people when we're talking about the individuals over the age of 65. So when we're talking about the state of Kansas, it's an estimated 55,000 individuals who have Alzheimer's disease. And again, those individuals are over the the age of 65. But when we talk about how this really affects everybody, we're talking about not just the person who has Alzheimer's disease, but also their caregivers. And in Kansas, we estimate that there's about 86,000 caregivers who are providing unpaid, and I want to emphasize unpaid care, for those individuals. Um, it's just amazing, but the value of that unpaid care is more than $1.4 billion. You know, and and then you, if you add in the families that are that are affected by this, that impact, it, it gets it's a lot bigger than that even, right? Right, and it's not just usually one caregiver for someone who has individual, you know, with Alzheimer's, it's maybe two, two and a half, three, individuals who are caring for that person. There's so many individuals who want to care for their loved one in their home, but they know that they need some respite care. So then there's the respite person and they have friends who might come by and stay with them for a while while they go out and run errands. So there's that person. There might be somebody at night and there's that person. So it's more than just one caregiver per person. Does the Alzheimer's Association receive public funding, Juliet? So the Alzheimer's Association is really uh, operating on donations. We are operating on donations from the corporate environment that we have and also individuals who are fundraising for us. We are also getting uh, grants when we can to, to fund certain things, whether it's an educational effort or a support group effort. So this is all coming from the people right here in your backyard, the people who are supporting the community. Do you have any uh, fundraising events uh, here in Kansas 
Oh, yes. Um, Walk to End Alzheimer's is our main fundraiser, and that is in October in Wichita. So it'll be in this next October. And then the Central and Western Kansas chapter has a gala um, uh, in the spring, and that is definitely something. You know, some people, the walk is is great, and it's outdoors, and it's family-oriented, but some people, the walk isn't their thing. They would rather do a one-night gala, you know, black-tie gala, um, so we would definitely encourage people to, to get involved in that as well. And the gala is really a, a beautiful um, a beautiful evening where there's a lot of fellowship and a live auction and a silent auction. This year it's at April 28th at Mark Arts in Wichita. You know, how much money, I, I hear from time to time in the news we'll have a story about, oh, here's promising uh, treatment, here's a promising drug uh, uh, we never get to say anything that says, hey, we've got it cured, but uh, how much money is actually being spent on research into this disease, eh, Juliet? Right. Well, I can tell you what the Alzheimer's Association is doing, and currently we're investing more than $310 million, and that's not um, just in the United States. That's in more than 48 countries. Um, that's on more than 950 active projects. And I think it's important to understand that the Alzheimer's Association is always investing in understanding of what Alzheimer's is, also trying to identify new treatment strategies and how to improve the care and support for those who have Alzheimer's disease. We look for projects that are a little bit, um, you know, not your average clinical trial, uh, we are a firm believer that when either a treatment or a cure for Alzheimer's disease is found, it will be through a clinical trial. So we are strong uh, proponents of people getting involved in clinical trials. And I must tell you that for the individuals that I know who have Alzheimer's disease and who are part of a clinical trial, it is a wonderful thing. It empowers them. It allows them to really understand that they are doing something that makes a difference. And we're talking about some people who can no longer work or they can no longer drive. So some of those things that have been taken away, this is their opportunity to do something, to be part of what's happening, you know, in the world of Alzheimer's and other dementia. So clinical trials are huge, and the Alzheimer's Association is always going to be uh, backing that. You know, uh, Ronald Reagan brought a lot of attention to uh, disease with the uh, Alzheimer's, and it seems it like after, after about that time came up, uh, a close friend of mine was diagnosed, and then a, and then uh, a couple of years later, another close friend, and another. Uh, mm-hmm. Are there other prominent people who have been stricken uh, with Alzheimer's? Well, there there are. Um, and I can't say that they're political individuals, but no. I can say individuals like Glenn Campbell, and he had Alzheimer's disease, and his wife and his daughter, you know, have made it their mission to make sure that there is funding, um, and they're encouraging the National Institute of Health to, you know, make sure that the funding continues. So a lot of entertainers, um, I I will bring to your attention someone like Chris Hemsworth, who is an actor who recently said he's going to step back from acting because he learned that he has a risk gene for Alzheimer's disease. It's the APOE4 gene. And um, just a little bit of background on that. 
everybody has two copies of the APO gene, but not everybody has an APOE4 gene. So if you have an APOE4 gene, it just simply means that you are at higher risk for having Alzheimer's disease. What it does not mean is that you're going to get Alzheimer's. But some people want to know genetically if they have the APOE4 gene, and if they do, then they, they may change their lifestyle. Mm. And he has chosen to do that. So he has backed off. He's going to be more conscious about what he's eating, how he's socially active, what he's doing, how he's taking his brain to the gym just as much as he's taking his body to the gym. And some people, um, you know, this is what they want to do and they want to know so that they can guide their life accordingly. Oh, interesting. Now, now who's most likely uh, to become an Alzheimer patient? You have talked about the genes, but... uh... Uh, is a a female, male, uh, demographics, anything like that? Yes, women. Um, Two-thirds of all Americans over the age of 65 who have have Alzheimer's disease are women. And coincidentally, um, two-thirds of caregivers are women as well. We also know that um, African-American individuals are twice as likely to have Alzheimer's disease and Hispanic individuals are one and a half times as likely to have Alzheimer's disease than adult whites. Um, that's all very interesting, and I can't tell you that there's one particular reason why that is the case, but we, we do know that individuals um, in, in the African-American population um, tend to, to keep their um, their their health private, let's say. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah. they prefer to keep it within their family and 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 take care of one another at home. Um, so, you know, we aren't quite sure if it's just um, maybe a cultural issue or a health issue because sometimes African-Americans, you know, they, they're higher heart disease. Um, so we're not, we haven't put all those pieces together, but we can tell you that just specifically African Americans are twice as likely to have it. What are the, uh, what are the signs or symptoms uh, when someone uh, has Alzheimer's? Well, like I said before, it's it's a memory and thinking and reasoning situation. And what we say is when this starts to kind of affect your daily life, when you feel like you're having a memory issue that's affecting what you're doing during the day, then it's time to decide, is this something that is normal for normal aging or is this something that's not? And what I would strongly encourage that people do is go to alz.org slash 10 signs, and that's number 10 signs, so that they can look and see, okay, uh, the other day I misplaced my keys, but in 10 minutes I remembered where they were and I went and I found them. That's normal aging. What's not normal aging is you misplaced your keys and you don't find them that day, and the next day you open the freezer and your keys are in there. Mm. So that's different. So we, we have, you know, we have things that are happening in our lives on a daily basis that are normal. And then we have things that are happening in on a daily basis that are not. And then when those are not normal, that's when you need to see your doctor. Well, will anything show up in just your annual checkup with your GP, your general practitioner? Uh, would they spot anything if you didn't tell them about a symptom like that? Well, you know, what I have found um, personally and professionally is that unfortunately, general practitioners 
don't feel like they have enough time. And this is this is factually based by research from facts and figures from the Alzheimer's Association. They feel like there's just not enough time um, to, to, to do those kinds of tests. Oh. And what we know is that Medicare will pay, you know, for a mental um, exam once a year if you're over the age of 65. And we strongly encourage people to ask for that because that, that gives you a foundation. So you know how you did on, on a health, you know, scan. And, yeah. and I'm just saying like talking and asking questions and writing down um, answers to questions, those kinds of things within this exam. But if people don't know to ask for that, then they may think everything is normal when it's really not. So we ask you to be a proponent of yourself, be an advocate for yourself. If you're a spouse and you're questioning whether or not something that your spouse is doing is normal, ask the question. Take the mental exam and see how you are today so that next year, you know, you can decide if you you have changed at all. You're listening to Issues 2023 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Juliet Bradley, Kansas State Director of Communications for the Alzheimer's Association and has the COVID pandemic had an impact on Alzheimer's treatment and care, Juliet? Yes, unfortunately, it has. Um, there were more than there were 17 percent more deaths from Alzheimer's disease and other dementias in 2020 compared with the averages during the previous five years. And we know that it's um, been a crisis because the isolation is is so difficult, not just for the person who has Alzheimer's disease, but for the caregivers to not be able to get out, to not be able to get sunlight. You know, what what we haven't talked about yet in this is interview is what we call sundowning. And that is at the the late afternoon time when daylight is becoming darkness. We call that sundowning because that's very, very difficult for individuals who have Alzheimer's disease. And we encourage people to keep lights on and hallway lights and, you know, lights outside your home, anything that you can possibly do to keep that sunlight as long as you can. So then you put the isolation of COVID in where you can't get outside necessarily because during the, the worst of it, we weren't getting out. You know, we weren't going to the grocery store. People were bringing our groceries in, those kinds of things. And especially if your loved one lives in a facility where there was lockdown and you couldn't go at all. So it was, it has been awful for individuals who have Alzheimer's disease. COVID was just very, very difficult mm. and continues. To. What are the medical treatments for Alzheimer's? What, what can be done for the patient? Well, what we know right now is that there is no cure. Um, so Alzheimer's is a fatal disease. But what we encourage people to do um, is to get diagnosed and what we what we love to see is for people if they are even questioning remotely that that there might be an issue to go ahead and get that diagnosis what we know is the earlier you get diagnosed for alzheimer's disease the better it is for you believe it or not because financially um it's going to be a huge difference and when i first heard that i thought well that doesn't seem right you know you have the disease longer wouldn't it cost more but it really doesn't and I've seen this time and time and time again, because when people get diagnosed, they get diagnosed, if they get diagnosed earlier, then they are more mentally prepared to be able to participate in their decisions for the rest of their life. And they can choose, <clears throat> excuse me, where they want to live, 
who they want to live with, where they're going to go on vacation, what, how they can spend their money, all of that. They can participate in those decisions. If you fast forward 15 or 20 years and they get a diagnosis when perhaps they are not of best mental state and they have to do this quickly and they're panic mode and they have to just take the first place that they can get to live in, it costs so much more for them. So financially, it's a really good thing. If you think that this is something that you should address, I would do it sooner rather than later. And then also, like I said about the clinical trials, if you can get on a medication, and there are, there are definitely medications out there right now that are not, they're not curing anything, but what they are doing is they're just treating the symptoms. So you might become less anxious, you might be able to get better sleep, all of those things by having, you know, just the meds that your doctor can get you for being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And then the clinical trials, of course, being part of that, like I said, it's, it's really empowering. It does something for it just it's, it's just something important for the individuals who have the disease to be part of this whole process. Are the medicines expensive, Julia? Well, the the ones that are out right now, the Nemendas and the Aricepts, no, they're they're not expensive. But what what we're finding is the treatments that are in clinical trials that we're we're trying desperately to get. Um, Medicare and Medicaid to pay for, unfortunately, yes, they are expensive. And mm-hmm. what we've asked yeah. is that that $56,000 for aducanumab a year, um, that that be cut drastically. And lecanumab, which is the new um, drug that FDA is considering for um, release, that's expensive too. Um, but both of those um, are especially lecanemab. Lecanemab has shown that there's a uh, 27% change in the cognitive decline in these individuals who were part of this clinical trial for 18 months. And those are the most encouraging results we've had to date for Alzheimer's treatment. So these drugs are in the pipeline. You know, aducanumab came out, lecanemab, there's one right now, I can't recall the name, Um, but all of these are in the pipeline and there are more to come. So what we know is, what we really believe is that um, this is going to be the cure or a prevention because all of these drugs have 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 helped us propel ourselves to a place where we need. And and like I said earlier, I really believe it through trial. Do, do you do we have enough specialists uh, in the in the medical profession treating this disease? Would that help to have more specialists involved? We need more. Um, like I said earlier, the the primary care providers out there, they, they're struggling to get enough time for themselves. And they just, they believe that they don't think that there are enough specialists in their communities. And unfortunately, Kansas does not rate well because there are 20 U.S. states that have been termed what we call a dementia neurology desert. And that means that they are projected to have fewer than 10 neurologists per 10,000 people in the year 2025. And Kansas is one of the one of these uh, neurology deserts. So um, not only are we asking that that people who are considering the medical field start to consider the geriatric field, that would be wonderful. But we're also encouraging more African-Americans and more Hispanics um, to be part of that. Because what we know is that an African-American man who maybe feels like he's having some cognitive issue, he wants to go see an African-American doctor. 
and and a Hispanic man wants to see Hispanic doctor. They want to see doctors that are like themselves. And the, the, right now, the disparity exists in the medical field that those people um, who are treating our aged population are not diverse enough. There are there have been some recently reported research on hearing aids. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, there has. Um, it's just what they're saying is that wearing hearing aids may reduce the risk of dementia um, and that individuals with hearing loss who used hearing restorative devices had a 19% decrease in risk of long-term uh, cognitive issues. So these are things that I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that when we talk about things that we learned in 2022 about Alzheimer's and dementia, that is definitely one of them. And, you know, it, it's things like that are coming out of these clinical trials that we talked about the Alzheimer's Association doing. Hmm. Any impact uh, of diet or vitamins, anything like that, have an impact? Oh, diet is huge. Um, one of the other things that we learned in 2022 is that ultra-processed food can significantly accelerate cognitive decline. Um, hmm. What's unfortunate about that is that um, many of Americans, <laughs> that's what they eat. Um, so really ultra processed food makes up more than half an American diet. So what we need to do is get away from that. Um, but, and that is the good news is that we can change things like that and we can eat a balanced diet. Um, the Alzheimer's association is very pro Mediterranean diet and we ask that you exercise regularly. Um, something that's very important is getting good sleep. Um, staying cognitively engaged, and like I said, taking your head to the brain, your brain brain to the gym, just like you're taking your body to the gym, not smoking, and then um, managing your heart health because what's good for your heart is good for your brain. What, what, uh, what hope can you give us for the future? Uh, are you optimistic that we're going to finally have a breakthrough and, and maybe get this thing knocked out in our lifetime, maybe? <laughs> Um, you know, I am very hopeful because I've worked for the Alzheimer's Association for 21 years, and I these drugs that have come down the pipeline just in the last two years, aducanumab and lecanemab, we haven't seen those um, in, in so long. So I really do believe that there is great momentum, and I don't know that it will necessarily be one drug. I think it will be a combination of things, and I think that that's, you know, pretty much the, what the Alzheimer's Association believes, too, is that the future of Alzheimer's treatment is a combination of drugs that will target different aspects of the disease. And then I think it's really important um, for people to listen and to listen to what these clinical trials are telling us, that lifestyle interventions are extremely important. And all of the things that we've talked about, all the diet and social and, and engaging your brain, that that is not something that we're just saying. It is proven fact. For more information, go to the webpage. Your webpage is, uh, how do you describe the webpage? ALZ.org. Oh, that's pretty easy. ALZ.org. <laughs> it is. And you it is. And something that, if I could mention real quick, is our 24-7 helpline, which is 800-272-3900. It's answered, answered by dementia care specialists. Um, in more than 200 different languages are available. And it's just 
so important to know that that's there. It is not just don't don't consider it a crisis line. It's not a helpline. All right. We're out of time. And thank you for so much for being with us. Our guest, Juliet Bradley, Kansas State Director of Communications for the Alzheimer's Association. That's all for this edition of Issues 2023. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.